Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Welcome to Israel and You, and today we're going to talk about the sadistic global vision of Hamas, which is a Jew-free world. They sadistically desire to eliminate all the Jews, not only in Israel, but globally. And this is a satanic-inspired ideology of elimination of Jews. And you can trace this back to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, chapter 3, verse 15, when God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her seed and your seed. Uh, You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. So Satan knew at that time that a redeemer, a Messiah is going to come through the woman. And uh, he began to do everything that he could to destroy uh, that prospect. And so you see Pharaoh in the book of Exodus tried uh, to annihilate all the baby Jewish boys uh, to try to take out uh, the seed of the woman that might come and and destroy Satan's work. And then uh, you see the Amalekites when the Jews are uh, heading into the promised land. uh, They attack the weakest link uh, in the tribe of Israel, trying to annihilate Jewish people. Uh, In the book of Esther, Haman wanted to kill every Jew on the planet. Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes uh, was slaughtering Jews uh, a couple hundred years um, before Christ. Uh, The Romans, the European Christian anti-Semites, the Crusades, the Inquisition, all had this eliminationist ideology to erase and liquidate Jews. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, he said in his book, The Jews and Their Lies, that he would not be satisfied until the blood of thousands and thousands of Jews would be pouring through the streets of Germany. Again, an eliminationist ideology. The pogroms in Russia. My, my great-grandparents suffered in the Kishinev uh, pogrom of 1903, where Christians and priests were running through the streets uh, shouting, kill all the Jews. And on that, uh, in that pogrom, they, they murdered, I think, about 30 or 40 little babies. An incredible eliminationist ideology. Hitler, uh, he wanted a total and complete elimination of every Jew on the planet. And in 1948, when Israel became a nation, five Arab nations called for the genocide of all Jews and said, we're going to push all the Jews into the Mediterranean Sea and and murder every last one of them. And then in the 67 Six-Day War and the Yom Kippur War, again, attack after attack against the Jewish people to annihilate them. The PLO under Yasser Arafat sought to murder the Jews in Israel. And now Iran and her proxies, which is uh, Hamas and Hezbollah, they want to wipe Israel off the map. And you hear the chant of Hamas uh, proclaiming, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. What does that mean? We're going to ethnically cleanse 
all of Israel from every Jew. And so from Haman to Hitler to Hezbollah to Hamas, they all have this imagination of a world without Jews. It's a sadistic imagination, just like a bloodlust that we can just erase the world of all Jews. And we're seeing this now globally ever since October 7th. We're seeing this this hatred spill over into the world in our university campuses, university professors proclaiming death to Jews, uh, campus anti-Semites proclaiming death to Jews. And what's amazing is that Anti-Semitism is like a canary in the coal mine. And early coal miners would bring canaries into the coal mines because canaries are very sensitive to methane gas. And when the canary became faint and stopped singing, the miners knew this was uh, their call, an alarm to immediately evacuate the mines. And so anti-Semitism that is unleashed in a society is like the canary in the coal mine. It's a sign that there's an implosion happening within the social structure. And uh, after the day of the massacre in southern Israel on October 7th, we witnessed celebrations in Sydney, large crowds at the Opera House, proclaiming the total annihilation of Jews. They were shouting, gas the Jews. They were rejoicing in Berlin, London, San Francisco, Toronto, and Paris. Black Lives Matter movement. They promoted a picture of a paraglider as a symbol of freedom. Remember, the paragliders came over the border into southern Israel to murder Jews. And so for the Black Lives Matter movement, they saw that as a symbol of freedom. We're in a war of ideas, convictions, and the will to fight. And because many in our civilized world celebrated the genocidal attack of Hamas on Israeli civilians on October 7th, it lets me know that we're losing this war of ideas and convictions and the will to fight. And some of the Western media have called the Hamas butchers freedom fighters. Woke American college feminists celebrated the rape of Israeli women and declared, rape is resistance. Students at George Washington University proclaimed, glory to our Hamas martyrs. 800 legal scholars, a few days after the October 7th massacre, signed a public statement accusing Israel of war crimes. A Harvard University task force was started after October 7th to provide a safe space for pro-Hamas students. Sky News uh, condemned Israel during the, the hostage negotiations and said Israel is prejudiced against uh, Hamas fighters that are in prison because they're giving three Hamas uh, terrorists to one Israeli hostage. So they say that's an act of, of uh, racial prejudice by the Jews. The BBC compared toddlers held in Hamas uh, tunnels, Jewish little baby toddlers. To, they compared them to Hamas uh, teenage foot soldiers that are in Israeli prisons because they attempted to murder Jews with knives. An anti-Israel pro protester in Los Angeles, he beat an elderly Jewish man to death. And NBC reported it this way, man dies after hitting head in a pro-Israel rally. 
At Columbia University, Professor Joseph Mossad said the day after the attack on southern Israel, he said this, it was awesome. At Cornell, Professor Russell Rickford said that the attack in murdering 1,400 Jewish people was energizing and exhilarating. Professor Rickford, think of that, at Cornell University, saying the genocide of Jews to him was energizing and exhilarating. At Princeton, hundreds of students chanted, globalize the intifada. What does that mean? That we want to wipe out and eliminate Jews globally. What we are witnessing here in the States and globally is the opening of the bowels of hell and the unleashing of anti-Semitism. Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs said, what begins with Jews never ends with Jews. And anti-Semitism, again, is like a canary in the coal mine. It's a warning sign that a society is imploding. It's being destroyed from the inside. On 9-11, Americans were mourning the death of 3,000 people that died in the Twin Towers. On October 7th, many millions of Americans were celebrating the murder of Jews. And so our culture has given way to barbarism, bestial joy over genocide. Remember, after World War II and the Holocaust, there were uh, doctors who were tried in Nuremberg. It was called the doctor's trial. And 23 doctors were on trial for acts of genocidal murder of Jews. Seven of these doctors were acquitted. Seven were executed for their crimes. The remainder uh, received sentences of 10 years to life. And remember that Germany was the most civilized country in the world at the time of the Holocaust. Art, literature, and science. But they committed mass genocide of not only 6 million Jews, but 6 million uh, other people that were homosexuals or mentally and physically impaired. Uh, the elderly were put to death as well. So we're fighting a war of ideas and convictions. And our culture is plowed under by postmodernism and postcolonialism and victimhood. The rule of law has been traded for the rule of the mob. And in this world, the Jew is the proverbial other. In the Middle Ages, Jews were hated because of their religion. In the 19th and 20th centuries, they were hated because of their race. Anti-Semitism is a mutating virus. And Jews have been hated because they were rich. They've been hated because they were poor. They were hated because they were capitalists. They were hated because they were communists. They were hated because they failed to assimilate. They were hated because they assimilated too often. And today, anti-Semitism is driven by this new form of the mutating virus of anti-Semitism, which is human rights. And the Jew is seen as the powerful, the colonizer, the suppressor of the Palestinians. The state of Israel is proclaimed to be an apartheid state. The Israeli baby toddler kidnapped by Hamas is seen as a colonizer. The woman gang raped by Hamas is seen as a white oppressor, and the rape was justified by many in the Western world. So the woke, postmodern, postcolonial doctrine of victimhood preached on our university campuses today is easily married to anti-Zionism. On Christian college campuses, replacement theology and supersessionism, triumphalism, the idea that God has rejected the Jews and replaced them with the church. 
And this, this ideology, once again, this heresy is being fomented on our Christian college campuses, and it's inspiring a genocidal eliminationist ideology like we saw uh, in German Christians during the Holocaust. One evangelical seminary professor, Dr. Gary Burge, that taught at my alma mater, Billy Graham's alma mater, for 15 years. While he was on that campus, he wrote a book, Whose Land, Whose Promise? And he denied the Abrahamic covenant. He denied that the land belongs to the Jews. And he proclaimed in his book, Israeli Jews who do not convert to Christianity are good for nothing and should be cast into the fires and burned. So what Gary Burge is doing, he's joining the ranks of other genocidal eliminationist anti-Semites throughout uh, history. The Nazis first took over the universities. They drove out all the Jews. And today, the American universities are doing the same. And the last 20 years, we've replaced Jewish Middle East Studies department heads with anti-Zionist Middle East Studies department heads. And so we're seeing this implosion on our college campuses. We're seeing uh, this rise of anti-Semitism. So what if, ladies and gentlemen, Hamas gets his wish? What if uh, the desire of Haman and Hitler and Hezbollah and Hamas, this imagination of a Jew-free world, what if they all get their wish and Jews are completely eliminated? My belief is if that desire ever comes into fruition, which we know it will not, but that's the imagination of sadistic organizations like Hamas. And what will happen is our civilization will completely be destroyed if there are no more Jews in the world. And I want to talk about that today. What this vision is, is a Jew-free world. But how would our world look when we fulfill this vision of Hamas and, and try to eliminate all the Jews from the world? The Jewish people for millennia have been the guardians of civilization. If we erase the people who have shepherded and protected God's righteousness, our world will instantaneously collapse when anti-Semites call for the destruction of the Jewish people, the threat is against the moral undergirdings of civilization, a foundation without which we cannot exist. It is for this very reason Jews have been historically targeted with annihilation. They have communicated the moral law of God to a world that despises God's holiness. Western law was built on the foundation of a Jewish ethical and moral worldview. And America's Declaration of Independence and Bill of Rights were drawn from the natural law of the no Noatic Covenant. One of America's founding fathers, John Adams, wrote in a letter to F.A. Vanderkamp, I will insist that the Hebrews have done more to civilize men than any other nation. The Jews, says John Adams, have been destined to preserve and to propagate to all mankind the doctrine of a supreme, intelligent, wise, almighty sovereign of the universe, which I believe to be the great essential principle of all morality and consequently of all civilization. Because of God's encounter with the Jews, choosing them to bring his moral law to the world, they have an ancient duty to survive. And think about this. Throughout the centuries of time, no other people in human history have encountered such horrors yet they still exist. And one can only conclude it was and is the faith of the Jewish people 
that has caused their survival. I want to read a quote out of my book, The Forgotten Blessing. And it's a quote from Leslie Flynn from his book, What the Church Owes the Jew. And here's what he says. And and think about this. With, With Hamas's vision today of a world free from Jews, Here's what uh, Leslie Flynn writes. In an, if an anti-Semite decided to boycott all the tests and cures discovered by the Jews, he would certainly open himself up to a host of serious diseases. Think about that for a second. If, if this is true, which, which, which it is, the world has been blessed as God spoke to Abraham, through you all the nations have been blessed. And uh, so if an anti-Semite says like Hamas, we want, a, we want a Jew-free world, what would it look like? Well, besides refusing Jonas Salk's polio vaccine, the anti-Semite would also decline the polio pill by Dr. Albert Sabin, the test to fight diphtheria invented by the Jew Belashik, the diet regime by the Jew Joseph Goldberger, which has fought Pellegra to a standstill, blood transfusion made possible by the work of Dr. E.J. Cohen of Harvard, a Jew, the Wasserman test for syphilis, the vaccine for hepatitis discovered by Baruch Bloomberg, a Jew, steromenicin discovered by Dr. Selman Abraham Waxman as an antibiotic, Dr. Waxman was also a Jew, uh, chlora hydrate for convulsions discovered by Dr. John von Liebig, a Jew, and vitamins discovered by Casimir Funk. And let's not forget, and this is what I say in the book, let's also not forget that the foundation of Western law is the Ten Commandments. The young American colonies based the rule of law on the Old Testament, and the Declaration of Independence and Bill of Rights were drawn from the natural Noadic Covenant. So whenever you turn on the light switch, you can thank Charles uh, Steinmetz, a Jewish scientist who developed a concept called the utilization of electricity. If you are in the armed services and deployed on a mission that requires a helicopter, you can thank the Jew Emily Berlinger. When you boot up your computer, you can thank Norbert Weiner, a mathematician who developed cybernetics. Norbert was Jewish. If you are a physics student and you get stumped answering a problem, you can thank Albert Einstein. You can also thank Einstein for his help in developing the television. If your city is powered by nuclear energy, you can thank uh, Lisa Metner and Rocky Fermi and Robert Oppenheimer. The next time you drive your car, you can thank Siegfried Marcus who developed the internal combustion engine. On and on and on and on, uh, inventions by Jewish people, medical technology that came through the intellect of Jewish people that have saved civilization. So for Hamas to say, we want to destroy every Jew, they would be destroying their own lives and the lives of all civilization. This was recently in in, uh, the publication it's a Jewish uh, publication. And these are thoughts of Rabbi Ephraim Shore. And I read this uh, the other day, and uh, it's an amazing uh, piece on uh, the Jewish contribution. And, and I, I have pages and pages here. I'm not going to have time to read them all. 
but uh, Jewish contribution to the world of life-saving technology. It's amazing what Jewish inventors have given us just in the last couple years of life-saving technology. One technology is called BabySense, which helps um, prevent crib death. And already, um, since this was invented by Jewish scientists, uh, over 600,000 infant lives have been saved by this technology called BabySense. But let's talk about the moral undergirdings of society that have been brought to us by the Jewish people. First of all, Rabbi Shor says, we can thank the Jewish people for the Sabbath day. The Romans ridiculed the Jews for their idleness, but we have none but the Jews to thank for our weekend. Until the Jewish invention of the Sabbath, every day, every month, every year was the same. People were working seven days a week. We introduced the concept of taking out time to focus on the higher things in life and enjoying being and not just doing. Christians adapted the Jewish Shabbat to Sunday in the second and third centuries. Another concept Rabbi talks about, Rabbi Ephraim Shore, peace on earth. In a world that revered the warrior above all others, survival of the fittest was the highest value. If you could get it, you took it. The cost in human life was irrelevant. Judaism introduced the altruistic concept that peace among men was preferable to my tribe's enrichment. As the prophet Isaiah wrote, the wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling will be together and a little child will lead them and they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. That's in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4. Another concept that Rabbi Shore talks about, universal literacy and education. In a world where literacy was a luxury enjoyed by the vast minority, the people of the book, the Jewish people, taught that the pursuit of wisdom and learning was the highest pursuit and the right and obligation of every child and adult. No Jewish community existed without a school. Even the Greeks and the Romans came nowhere near creating a written culture, and the medieval world saw even greater drops in literacy. The church, ancient Greeks, and the United States not only discouraged Discouraged literacy for some, blacks, slaves, and non-clergy, but it took until 1918 for every U.S. state to require students to complete elementary school. It took India until 2009 to adopt what the Jewish nation had been practicing for 3,500 years, which was the teaching of uh, the ability to read. Uh, another concept, the sabbatical year, the idea for academics and some professionals. 20% of UK companies now have a career break policy and many more joining the trend. To take a year off every seven years to focus on academic advancement comes directly from the Torah. Judaism requires every farmer to take the entire seventh year off from work to focus on studying, self-improvement, and inspiration. One can imagine the impact of that intellectual focus on the entire world. Justice for all. In a world where women, children, the poor, immigrants, and other vulnerable members of society were systematically abused, the Jewish legal system was the first 
to protect the rights of the underdog and the helpless. As the Torah states, you shall not wrong or oppress a foreigner, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not abuse the widow or the orphan. If you do abuse them when they cry out to me, says God, I will surely heed their cry. That's in Exodus 22, verse 21 through 23. Jewish law ensured that every man and woman has the right to a fair trial, is innocent before proven guilty, and allows for no prejudice towards the rich or powerful. Another concept that Rabbi Shor uh, says that the Jewish people have, have brought to the world is monotheism. Judaism revolutionized the concept of God from a belief in multiple deities and idols that require our sacrifice. Even humans are created in the image of man and can be bribed and manipulated to recognize the one infinite, loving, altruistic creator who is the unifying source of the entire universe, who needs nothing from mankind and is equally available to every human being. Another concept is infinite value of every human life. In a world of human sacrifice, murder of children, particularly baby girls globally, and wanton war and killing to further material gains, Judaism taught that every life is holy, created in the image of God, and of infinite value, even the old, the mentally or physically handicapped, and the sick. If you think that that is obvious, consider the practice of human sacrifice that was central to most South American civilizations until the Spanish Christians conquered them just 500 years ago. And I might add, think of what the Nazis did during the Holocaust, killing the infirm and the elderly and uh, uh, the homosexuals and, and people they despised like Jews. They had no infinite value of every human life. Uh, another concept that Rabbi Shore shares is the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. While the founding fathers of America may have found these truths to be self-evident, in the fact it was far from self-evident unless you were highly influenced by Jewish values. Otherwise, the Declaration of Independence in 1776 would not have been so revolutionary. Many societies up to modern times have sought to limit individuality in the name of service to the state or religion or feudal lord, uh, communism, Nazism, many religions and all totalitarian regimes. But 3,000 years before 1776, Judaism introduced to the world that every human has the right and obligation to aspire to reaching his or her goals personal fulfillment, and potential. Another concept is tikkun olam. In a world where the idea of giving away one's property to others was seen as both bizarre and foolhardy, Judaism taught that we are obliged to donate 10 to 20% a tithe of what we earn to make the world a better place. Judaism was a trend setting by millennium when it required us to lend money to our fellow man with no interest, to return lost objects, to refrain from verbal abuse and gossip, not to take revenge or bear a grudge, to protect animals from suffering, and to demand that we love every human being regardless of race, religion, or color. Love your neighbor as yourself, Leviticus 19.18, was introduced 2,000 years before Christianity. Another concept, sexism. Judaism taught that men and women are equal in the eyes of God. In fact, the first 
Rabbi Shore says this, uh, from the earliest times, women have held important leadership positions in the Jewish world. Our matriarchs were considered even greater than their husbands in prophecy and other areas. Judaism forbade sexual harassment of any kind. Way ahead of its time, a woman's rights to sexual and emotional intimacy were enshrined by the first Jewish marriage contracts called ketubah. Men are obligated to honor their wives even more than themselves. Women in Judaism enjoyed more rights than in most of Western civilization. For example, it took until 1900 for all U.S. states to allow women to buy, sell, and own property or to write her own will and contracts. And you can see this in the Proverbs 31 woman all the way back in the day of Solomon where he celebrates the Proverb 31 women, woman for all of her business acumen. Without the Jewish nation, the world as we know it, says Rabbi Shore, would simply not exist. Paul Johnson summed it up beautifully to them the jews we owe the idea of equality before the law both divine and human of the sanctity of life and the dignity of the human person of the individual conscience and so of personal redemption of the collective conscience and so of social responsibility of peace as an abstract ideal and love of the foundation of justice and many other items which constitute the basic moral furniture of the human mind without the jews it might have been a much emptier place. And while the world was busy absorbing Jewish inventions into their culture, they were simultaneously persecuting and not infrequently attempting to destroy the Jewish people. How strange that one of humanity's most positive contributors has been singled out for more hate than any other people group in the history of the world. And so this is our issue today on Israel and you. If Hamas and all of these um, professors in America that are calling for gassing of Jews and the annihilation of the Jewish people, the LGB community calling for the annihilation of Jewish people, celebrating uh, the rape of women in uh, southern Israel by these bestial terrorists known as Hamas. It's amazing to me that the world is calling for the elimination of Jews. But if they were to get their way, which they will not, the world as we know it would completely implode. So today, as you think about it, I, I would ask that you offer a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for the Jewish people. For without the Jewish people, if you're listening and you're a, a Christian person, um, well, as a Jewish person as well, there would be no Bible. There would be no prophets. There would be no promises. Think about that. The world would not have the Holy Scriptures if it were not for the Jewish people. So uh, I, I think everyone uh, in the nations should look towards the Jewish people today and say, I thank God they exist, and I will do everything possible to stand with them and advocate for their lives, because without their existence, the world as we know it will cease. So thanks for being with me today on Israel and You, and we'll see you next time. God bless.